Welcome everyone and thank you for tuning in to Students of the Game. My name is Mike and this is what we have in store for you today. On today's episode we're firing up the mics with some heated debates on controversial topics around the leagues. Our co-hosts also look to increase their scores against a tough lineup of stack game and trivia challenges where Buns currently holds the upper hand on the scoreboard. On the mics for us today are our two illustrious co-hosts John and Buns and from the back of the classroom myself, Nick Ryan, Dr. Harry PhD and JW. All that beer, banter, and more on today's Students of the Game. Boys, let's crack open our beers today. Today we have Great South Bay Brewery, the Blonde Ambition Blonde Ale. Mm-hmm. It is 4.9% alcohol per volume, 12-ounce can is what we're drinking. Oh, I like this. You like it? Oh, oh I like that. It's refreshing. All right, let's pass over to Nick for some stat game. All right, guys, this week we're starting with... Major League Baseball for the stack game, okay? 2006 to 2015, you have career home runs of 235, RBIs of 706. I'm going to go year by year for this guy. Ready? Mm -hmm. 2006, we have an all-star with 27 home runs, 90 RBIs, and 282 batting average. 2007, we have 31 homers, 88 RBIs, and 245 batting average. 2008, we have 32 homers, 92 RBIs, and a 260. 2009, we have 31 homers, 90 RBIs, 243. 2010, we have 33 homers, 105 RBIs, 287. 2011, we have 36 homers, 82 RBIs, 233. 2012, we have 19 homers, 78 RBIs, and 220. 2013, we have 22 homers, 55 RBIs, and 179. And then in 14 and 15, uh, pretty irrelevant, only 52 games played and 67 games played. 30 seconds, uh, you'll get more. Can you you give me the 2013 one more time? 22 homers, 55 RBIs, and a 179 batting average. 179 batting average. 537 plate appearances that year. 2000, 2006, he's an all-star, so that makes him probably rookie of the year candidate. Uh, really bothered. Nope. 2006, 30, almost at least 28 homers a year. All right, it's been 30 seconds, so now you're going to get yep. in 06, 08, and 12, he was an all-star. In 2010, he was a silver slugger. Michael Kadire? In that realm. I'm in his that realm. Rookie, his rookie of the year vote, he was third in 2006. I feel like his best batting average year was like, what did you say, the 280 something? 287 in 2010. That was his silver slugger. Brendan Inge? Nope. All right, next clue. Yeah. He's a second baseman and he played in the NL East for one, two, three. Dan Ogla. Dan Ogla. Bun's got it. Come on. <laughs> it is Dan Ogla. Hey, I got God you again, baby. <laughs> Uh, I just needed to hear second base in Elise. Imagine. I'm literally rolling off my fucking tongue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you also deserve the point, but I was just... Fuck. God, All right. I'm sucking at this three fucking weeks in a row. Dan Ugla. Another Dude, point for I, buns. I didn't even need and they've been register. close. And they've all been close. Oh, he didn't register until you said Elise. Marlins and Braves. Yeah. Oh, I remember And him, the Nats. And, and the, the Nats, Nats at the end. The yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's he was he very was relevant. That's also when he was his beefiest, too, in the Brutal forearms were there. How did how did they let him? This is like a uh, how did they let him get 537 plate appearances with a 180 batting average? They just let it rock. Threat of a home run, <laughs> I they guess, right? Let, they, they didn't really have anybody else either. They just no, no. 
no. All right, so let's go right into MLB. Um, there's not much new this week, except it doesn't look like the players and the owners are really anywhere close with these negotiations. The players are taking a huge pay cut, and the players that are getting paid more are obviously taking a larger pay cut. It doesn't even look like they're anywhere close, like I said. Uh, John, I think you have the numbers. What's yeah. the ratio? So this is this is based on what they call their sliding scale, quote-unquote, which the players already are not liking. And you have, for an instance, uh, from Jeff Passan, how he broke down. So a $35 million a year player like a Garrett Cole or a Mike Trout is going to make $7.84 million under this deal. And just, to, for instance, like a lower-level player, so a million-dollar player is making four hundred thirty-four k, which is like a minor leaguer. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Uh, I, there's no way they're going to agree to something like that. I just, that's, that's going to be an insane, it's a fifth of their salary in, in, in essence for, for a bigger time, for a big money player. So guys like that more than likely are not going to agree to it. A, a, a small time player might, if they really want to play, but you know, I, I don't think the big time players are going to have won any part of it. No. I mean, would you really though? Like I get you're still playing half the games as a player. You know, you don't really care about, I guess, the owner's money per se. Um, but they also have to be reasonable because they're missing out on so much, you know, revenue without the parks being open. True. So I don't know. I really don't know who I agree with here. Honestly. I, I kind of like what the, the players, are. they're, they're going to play. It looks like the, they're aiming to play half a season. I wouldn't take 20% of my salary for half a season. I would expect half my salary at least. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like they had already agreed to that in March pro the pro rate of the agreement. Right, and the the owners just want to keep taking more and more for themselves, so I'm kind of with the players on this one. Yeah, and I also think that the owners are going to try to bring together the you know majority of the league that does not make the Garrett Cole, Mike Trout, you know Arenado type of money, and possibly pin them against those big time money guys because you know maybe they can sway them because they're not losing as much in this sliding scale type you know. Um, revenue share that you know maybe they can get those guys to say hey you know what yeah this isn't this isn't that terrible like you know there's only a small percentage of the league that makes the big time money so you know us guys that make less we're still taking a pay cut but we're willing to come in and maybe they can you know get them on the owner side and then have just a small majority of the players union who you know only disagree with this so i think that's what the the owners are going to try to do in the next couple of days because it's got it they need an answer soon they need it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're closing in on the date. I mean, all the states are opening up. They're encouraging, actually, now sports to resume, practice facilities, all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they need to get something done fast because we really want baseball by, by 4th of July, like they were planning. Yeah. Baseball in the light this week. That's all we really had. Let's switch over to football. And we're going to do football a little differently this week since there's not that much NFL news. We're going to bring up questions and topics for John and Buns and everybody, really. And we're pretty much just going to argue and debate about them. Sweet. So here's the first thing I have. I don't really think this is debatable. Some people might. Is Julio Jones the best wide receiver of the decade? No. Yes. John? Yes. Take it away. I'd love to hear what you have to say before I debate you. Well, I say it mainly on the fact that, you know, without Antonio Brown's concussion-induced freakout that has caused him to be blackballed by most of the league, uh, <laughs> I would consider him to be the best simply because if he kept his track that he was going on and, you know, maybe Big Ben doesn't get hurt, 
he's still going 12, 13, 1400 yard seasons, doing all the stuff he's doing on a good team. And then I would probably put him above Julio. But I think even with that big injury season that, that Julio had, where it took, a, it took a, basically a year out of his hands, he's been as consistent as anybody. And, uh, you know, he doesn't score the touchdowns for a guy like his size, which is weird. But again, at the end of the day, when, when you have a year like in 15 with a buck 36, 1871, you know, 18, buck 13, 1677, on a team that's, you know, been very inconsistent over the past decade, you know, you, you have a Matt Ryan MVP season where you should have won a Super Bowl and they don't. And then you have years when you, uh, you expect them to win and they don't play well. So I think he's been pretty much besides Matt Ryan, their most consistent player. And he hasn't really had that point where he's either broken down or, you know, quit on the team like Antonio Brown kind of did. So that's why I put him there. But what do you got, Bunce? So I don't. I think Julio is the best receiver of the decade, but I think it's also a tie with Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, I think the difference is, is that after Julio got hurt in 2013, he hasn't had under 1,300-yard since, and he has been consistently the mm-hmm. best receiver in the league. Now, A.B. during that stretch only had under 1,300 yards twice, and it was by a catch per his average. That's, that's... So they are neck and neck, the two best receivers of the 2010s. Um, I'm going to give the edge to no one. I think they're equal. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fair. I was, uh, I, I was considering Julio Jones, but it really just doesn't make sense because Antonio Brown was just as productive yards-wise, catches-wise, with more touchdowns. Yeah. Um, the difference is, is that his 2019 season, he, had, he was not mentally capable of playing football, and that's really where I have to end the debate. If he had the 2019 season, I would consider Antonio Brown over Julio. But just for a little stat for you, Julio Jones has had seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. He's the all-time leader in yards per game with 96.2 for mm. receivers. Um, the only person all-time to have more 1,300-yard seasons than Julio Jones is Jerry Rice. I, love Julio. I, I just wanted to throw those out there because they really just show you how dominant Julio has been. But Antonio Brown has been right there with him the whole way uh, since since 2013, too. Yep. And, I, I can't see anybody arguing anybody with Julio or AB. Um, at that point, I think it's preference. I don't, Let me ask I you something. I don't have for, one. Let me ask you something. Um, for a guy who's allergic to the end zone. Yeah. It's not necessarily always so, the Going to JW's point, um, so we have games started here. Julio Jones, 125. Antonio Brown, 104. Right? Um, touchdowns for Antonio Brown, though, is 75, whereas Julio only has 57. Yeah. I know. So, I, I mean – uh, that's, and that's, that, Honestly, that's when, like, if you think about it, touchdowns, right? That's how you win. Who cares about receiving yards? Well, I, well, I agree with you. Touchdowns are how you, you move win. Up and, and the, down the, field, the receiving yards are so close. Julio hasn't beat by 900. I mean, it's technically like a season of play. But I think Antonio Brown in the red zone is the difference. Julio Jones, you see him score his touchdowns. They're long. They're big plays. Antonio Brown, yeah, he makes big. He definitely made big plays in his career. Definitely long runs. Even long touchdowns. But his money is in the red zone. On mm-hmm. he is right. he is almost unguardable in that, and he's not even six feet tall. I, yeah. I would say Falcons' red zone offensive scheming has not it's helped Julio. Absolutely, John. And, and that's mainly where you see that discrepancy in the touchdowns. Because honestly, you have a guy his size that's a, a mismatch on any defensive player in the league if you put him out there with him. 
how he doesn't get the ball, let's say, you know, inside the five, first, first and five, first and, you know, goal at least two times just shocks me. And you see it all the time when, when, when they play, like, you know, the ball goes somewhere else. Like it, it would go on like a, a sweep to Devonte Freeman and he loses five yards. It, it would go to like, you know, a fade to Calvin Ridley or, or like Roddy white or somebody like that. Like it, it, the ball's got to go to your best player in that scenario at least two times. And time and time again, you'd see like the Sarkeesian offenses where they're just, they don't go to him when they should. And that's where you, your money is. Your money is on Julio Jones to score you touchdowns and they don't do it. I like how you brought up Sarkeesian. Yeah. not just be strictly because like he likes to spread the ball around and he'll, he'll sometimes forget that ball has to go to your best player in situations. It, ha- like it that. just has to. Yeah. So does it, does do uh playoff stats hold any weight for you guys? Because we have 10 games uh-huh. for AB and eight games for Julio, but contrary to the regular season, Julio Jones has six touchdowns in the playoffs to his eight games. And Antonio Brown only has four in his 10. Yeah. Um, AB has more receiving yards by three, but again, he has the two extra games. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I think that, uh, I mean, it holds weight, but I, I think I need a bigger sample size. It's close enough. I think it's yeah. close enough. It, there's just, they're two, they're two different receivers. One is your prototypical big receiver, but he's also, he runs a four, four. He's got yep. some of the best routes you've ever seen in the hands, but then we switched it to AB, AB. Yeah. He's shorter. He could still ju- catch a jump ball. His excellent routes, his hands are great, and he, his nickname is Tony Toe Taps. Like, this guy's footwork is absurd. I, I just I think that you have to just wash them out. They're two different receivers who put up astronomical numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go too much into the playoff stuff. I consider playoff stuff the way a team plays, honestly, more than just the receiver plays. Exactly. You know, can- there are guys that go absent in the playoffs, as we've seen in history, but neither of those guys are it and you know. Sometimes it's just a bad day for somebody and, you know, they're still an all-time great type player. So I think that's, yeah, like you said, it's basically a wash in that category. Mm-hmm. Dubs, do you have any reason uh, for your dislike of Julio Jones besides wham, I fantasy touchdowns or no? <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost exclusively wham, I fantasy touchdowns. Uh, I, I, I've had multiple years where I had uh, like Matt Ryan for a long time was my, my fantasy quarterback. Like I was picking him up every year. Like he was an awesome, solid, like late round QB pickup. And I would usually try and get him and Julio and uh, Julio's fucked me on numerous fantasy seasons. So um, yeah, me that, too, I, but not alone. I, I that's for sure. And, and, and yeah, it's mostly a troll at this point for you. <laughs> like I, I respect the fuck out of him, but I, I love saying Julio, not good. I mean, if there's one season you want to point to, JW, that could re- could really be like, eh, I don't really like him. It's the year he had three touchdowns, but he had also he also had fourteen hundred. I want to hop in here a second. This is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? So in 2017 and 2018, Matt Ryan was one for 20 targeting Julio Jones in the red zone. He was one for nine with an int on a Thursday night game, and over three on an int on another Monday night game. Uh, I checked the percentages of target share for red zone, and I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you one name, at least, that Julio Jones matches the percentage of target share in the red zone. You ready? Mike okay. Williams, the Chargers. Jesus Christ. Okay. And that, it's sub-20%. Now, if you look at Travis Kelsey, for example, 30%. Yeah. You, you can't do that. Thank you for that, Ryan. Yeah, that's, that's a great stat, right? And that just goes to show you, like, like you have Kelsey, a third of the time, basically, a little less than a third of the time, they go to their best big, big guy in the red zone. And then. I, I, Look it's at just, Julio Jones. Why does he get that? Why? It's, right. I think that's poor coaching to a certain yeah, it, extent. It is. And it is. And the last, if you recall, the last time I think you saw Julio in the playoffs, 
It was against the Eagles, and it was a fourth down drop in the end zone. Yeah. They lost. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was, I think, I, if I recall, it was a poorly thrown ball, but like, still. No, and then it makes like, them that, look bad. That's when they go to him. Like, that's yep. like, yep. oh, shoot. Fourth Finally, down, we got to get a touchdown. We have to throw the ball to Julio. But the, everybody in the stadium knew they were doing that. Yeah, of course. So. Oh, and, and one more thing. The Falcons are 23rd in the last four years in, in red zone red, offense. Zone offense, yeah. Again, they, um, there you go. That's all you need. And also, fantasy-wise, I think touchdowns are generally just a lucky kind of stat. I mean, uh, you know, absent some of the big guys, Kelsey, for example. With oh, it can be. But it can I, be I think streaky. it's a lucky stat. I mean, like, come on. Some of the guys that get these touchdowns, who are they? Yeah, there, there are some years where guys just have monster years in the red zone, and then there's yeah. other years where they definitely, definitely. they catch one or two balls. Right. Yeah. You'll, have, you'll have a season where the offensive scheme throws, you know, eight touchdowns to their no-name tight ends who has 300 yeah. yards. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Just for an example, this year, I think Pat Devlin had three touchdowns, a fullback for the Patriots. So he's just yeah. vulturing Sonny Michelle's touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Right. Things about, like that happened. You know, it's just... I, but running back-wise, what about Koff? Oh, look at Koff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Garibrand had 18 touchdowns. 18 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, That'll never question, happen again. Rick, quick question for you, Ryan. That that targeting... I'm assuming that's like like Matt Ryan fucked up those passes. It's not like drop balls when you're, when you're saying that targeting stat, right? It's just, no, like, it's just, he's aiming for Julio Jones in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it could, it could be drops. It could be, but it's, I, mean, I don't think it's that many drops though. I'm going to, I'm going to go know. ahead and assume that Julio be. doesn't have that many drops. No, no. Well, I mean, dude, maybe he's just allergic to the end zone. Like I've been saying, yeah, you get the ball to him on the 50 yard line. He'll fucking, he'll make an unbelievable play, yeah. but you get him to the end zone. He just, uh, it's his JW and retort to that. How many times? Sorry, John. How many times have you seen the Falcons or the Steelers or just another team with an elite receiver, for instance, go down the field, carry, have them carry him, and then hand the ball off and throw the ball yeah. to the tight end or yeah. run a run a quarterback sneak or a bootleg, just like yeah. to fake the defense out. You know, Julio Jones plays a huge part, in my opinion, of just aiding the, drive. the defense. He is yeah. the def- He could bait that. He could at, at any point in the game, Julio Jones could pop off and mm-hmm. I think you want to. They want to limit it. So, I mean, I understand the Falcons suck in the red zone, but it, it can be attributed to good defense as well. They don't, You don't okay. want your, the best player on the field to touch the ball. But you got to look inside. One for 20 in the red zone. That's abysmal. Yeah, it's abysmal. It's a 5% ratio. It's terrible. Yeah. You got to also see what's Matt Ryan's like overall percentage in the red zone too to everybody else on top of it with Julio. Yeah, no, he- he, he had yeah. passes have to be going. He had several years where he led the league in red zone picks. So I, yeah. I mean, that's that's not a shock as far as people that that know you know that team and what they do. So I mean, I'm not shocked at all with what with the stuff Ryan came out with. Uh, you know, after what I said, it's it's known if you if you watch that team. That's that's what they've done. And that last second ball that Buns mentioned against the Eagles for yeah. like, you get into the playoffs, right? That's what it was. And they I thought that was the first round. That was the first round of the playoffs. Was in the, yeah. It was a disgusting up ball that then was pass interference, I think, by whoever the corner was that clobbered him going out of the end zone. Sounds like Avante Maddox to me, but and, I'm not 100% yeah, sure. One of their five garbage corners. So you expect him to make that ball and hit that catch at a high point with the two inches of room, and he's Julio Jones, I think, but then he gets P.I. and then goes against yep. him. So. Mm-hmm. I just think that when it, when it comes down to the 2010s, these are the only guys you can mention. I don't think anybody makes sense. Anybody no. else makes sense. Nobody else has this long of sustained success in the 2010s. Um, no, I think the only point. other play, the only other receiver who I would have argued, he needed to keep his pace, obviously, would have been Demarius Thomas because mm-hmm. he has, for 2010 to 2019, he has like 9,580 yards or something like that. Yeah. He, he's had like three or four bad seasons now. It's yeah. so If those were even relevant seasons to him, 
and to his team, we could be having a different discussion. It's fair too, but like you said, he fell off way too much. He fell off way too quick, and uh, that's why I, I I felt like mentioning him because he was so good in the early portion. But mm-hmm. what if Calvin Johnson never retired, how old would he be right now? How about you tell me that, and I'll tell you. By mid to late thirties. He was right? thirty in two thousand fifteen. How old was he in two thousand fifteen? Thirty. It probably yeah, so would have been, been Calvin then. I yeah. mean, he, he missed half his he missed half a decade. It's, he'd still have the staff. He'd still be the you know the key of that offense. Mm-hmm. He ran that offense basically. So I, I yeah. think I think at a certain point you have, it has to be you can't just play half the decade. You got to play the full decade out no. unless you're unless you're five seasons during that decade were the best five seasons at the, the position. Yeah. And I think he might have had one of he might have had the best wide receiver season, one of the best wide receiver seasons, but it wasn't yeah. five best. So I think he had. I'll, I'll tell you right now, 2010 to 15, he had 1,120, 1,681, 1,964, 1,492, 1,077, and 1,214. Yeah. These are I mean, very good numbers. And the 1,900 one was one of the best seasons anyone's ever seen. So, just, I mean, yeah. He was dominant his yeah. whole career. And then he was just like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I think he would have been the best bet to yes. take it away from them. I think the best bet you see right now to take any to, to, would have been would have been Calvin, but uh, mm-hmm. for an all-time record, I think if Julio Jones could keep his pace, he might be the only receiver to get near Terry Rice or yeah. surpass him. Yep. He's got to keep his pace, though. So. Yep. Like he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't had the thirteen hundred yards since two thousand thirteen. Yep. If he could maintain that pace for another four or five years, we're yep. really going to have a different discussion mm-hmm. in the twenty twenties. And if Matt Ryan can stay healthy too, sure, he keeps going with him. It's a good bet. Definitely. Um, all right. So, well, really keeping along the same topic, I have something that we've debated amongst the group ourselves, and it is Tyreek Hill. Is Tyreek Hill what you would call a quote-unquote number one receiver, like Julio Jones or your Antonio Brown or your Calvin Johnson? No. John says no. I say and not yet. On the Chiefs, he's the number one receiver, but he is not in that category. Okay. Can I, you tell me why? I would say why because – I and it's tough to take things away from people, but you know, you, you can't take Pat Mahomes away from him. But he's, he's really – he's in an offense where he can kind of get away with doing you know, what he does currently, which is basically try to blow the top off the, off, off the defense and get behind people and, you know – Mahomes is the best in the league at throwing the ball down the field and doing that stuff without having to develop more into a, you know, prototypical number one wide receiver that can run routes all over the field and, and, you know, make the tough catch in the middle, like, you know, between a linebacker and a safety or something like that. You don't see that a lot from him, but it's, it's, you can't argue that the speed talent that he has, he's got fairly good hands for, for a guy, you know, his size that you don't really expect you know, the, the deep shot down the field guys to have like a, you know, a, a Deshaun Jackson or somebody like that. But I think if you were to put him on a team where you have a 15 and down quarterback ranked in the league, you, you would not see the production that you see out of this guy with Pat Mahomes. And he also has the luxury of having arguably the best tight end in football on his team too, to take away a lot of pressure from him. So you know, I, I think he could be that one day if he developed more. But right now, I, I definitely don't think he is. I mean, John, you could just say it. He's a, he's a one-trick pony, isn't he? <laughs> he 
I mean, oh, I, I know, I know, I know. Buns has wait. His, no, his excuse me, stuff, Ryan. You but... think he's a one-trick pony? <laughs> Tyreek Hill is a one-trick pony. No, just because his pri- just because your primary route is a nine route does not mean you are a one-trick pony. Let me explain something to you, Ryan. <laughs> this oh, this is just the first the, the first eight weeks Tyreek Hill played last year. He was fourth in route tree diversity, fourth. In the league, he may not be the best route runner, but he runs every route in the book. How about okay? that drop uh, drop percentage? What do you got on that one? Uh, he dropped two passes last year. And the year before? I don't have the year before. I have last year. All right, well, it was treacherous. I'll just tell you that. Well, well, if, <laughs> well, find out. Hold on. What, what was it? Uh, tell me. He had 89 targets last year. He dropped two balls. He had a 65.2 catch percentage and a 43.8 first down percentage. Almost fifty percent of his catches are first downs. Like the guy's a playmaker. The only thing, the only thing oh, he no drops is his son when his kid's acting up. Oh, that's a, diff- that's a different discussion. I don't want to have that right now. <laughs> I, I think Tyree Kill is on the precipice of being a wide receiver one. Before twenty nineteen, he had eleven hundred eighty three yards in twenty seventeen, and then fourteen seventy nine in twenty eighteen. I mean, he he he's not polished, but he runs every route in the book. He is a, an explosive playmaker. I understand. He he's a you know on the go routes. Tyreek Hill is just speed. His speed. I understand. Yeah, and, but, and it also um, goes with the the team's offensive scheme too, because they know that. Well, you know the Chiefs' offensive scheme is just with you know with Eric Reed and Bami running that scheme, and with Mahomes and having Kelsey in that offensive line. Yeah, it makes everything easier. Yeah. And that's why I don't have him as a wide receiver one yet. I think he's right there because there's so much around him. It makes it easy. To produce, yes, right. But uh, I'm I was very impressed in my research to see that he runs all the routes. And he, I mean, I'll tell you right now, he's it's the nine, the slant, and the screen. I'm sorry, the nine, the slant, and the post, then the screen as his top four. But he runs everything, yeah. and that's something that as a small, speedy receiver, that's impressive on its own. He runs. Do they, the they have a yards per play on that bunch for for like the majority of his routes run? Uh or an efficiency rating? I saw. I got it. Hold on. Yeah, there you go. You want last year or the year before? Last year, he only played 12 games, 900 yards. Uh, we, could, we could do last year if you could do yeah, both. Yeah, do last do both, year. Do both. Wow. So for efficiency, you have mm, – see, like like you said, I don't really like this because the numbers look low because it ranks them, and it's like total distances. I'm going to give you 18 because you played 16 games. Uh, target distance, right? He had 2,091, which was third in the league. His average target distance was 15. 15, 15 yards, yards per target? Yes. Okay. Fucking absurd, and man. in that year, two years ago, he only had five drops. So I don't know what kind of treachery you're talking about, Ryan. 3.6% drop rate. Uh, it's it's well, easy I mean, to... Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not good. good six, but... It's six drops. It's, 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 not it's, good 30th, it's 30th in the league. You're, you're a professional. You shouldn't drop the ball. That's kind of it's what Ryan's kind of saying. But... He has six drops. It's 30th in the league. But let's let's I am... check out Fitzgerald. Let's see, I am the... You might be talking about the best hands ever to play the game. More, that's a different, more, that's more a, tackles defensively than drops. That's a different story. I'm just... With Tyreek Hill, I understand what you're saying about the hands. Sometimes he catches the ball and it looks incredibly shaky. He's he's a, a chest catcher more so than hands yes. at Nick Sacco. But... <laughs> <laughs> I understand all that, but he he still produces. He's a playmaker, and I'd like to see him over the next two uh, another year. Then I'll come back to this discussion. I think yes. I have him. I think he could be anywhere between ten to fifteen right now as a top receiver in the league. Oh, that's definitely fair. Uh, fuck, fuck that. Especially in that offense, 
Well, Ryan, let me throw some names yeah, throw, to throw, you. Throw them on the Jets. Throw some names. Throw some names on your face. Well, no, nobody does well with the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> we got Le'Veon Bell to uh, be uh, Excuse me, Braylon Edwards? Anyone here? Brandon Marshall? Merrick Decker? We have some studs. Yeah, some Listen, shining Ryan. moments at wide receiver. Yeah, Maynard. Ask, ask Keyshawn how, how he likes his time with the Jets. Maynard. Oh, to oh agree my. with John, the, the issue I, I have with it is when you see, like, Miko Hardman, whatever his first name is, and Pringle. and Pringle and other, like, random second, third string wide receivers come in and get the same deep balls that are perfectly placed in their hands. Ah, Miko Hardman was a rookie whose profile is speed. Like, yeah, that's but, what like, he's supposed and, to do. And they're able to do it as well. I'm just saying the Pat Mahomes effect. Tyreek Hill, way more. Having Mahomes yeah. is helpful. Well, I'm going to name some receivers, and then after these eight, you tell me how many you're taking over Tyreek Hill. There's Julio, Hopkins, Evans, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Goodwin, and Odell Beckham. I think those eight receivers are definitively better than Tyreek Hill. Who, would you, who did you just say before Beckham? Did you say Mike Evans? Godwin. Uh, yeah. you, I think you said Godwin Goodwin. Evans. I might have said Goodwin. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, Marquise Goodwin had that fantasy five Jesus. games. But. I certainly oh might have mispronounced Chris <laughs> so Godwin. Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I throw some at you? Because I don't really like that list. Okay, Did I throw out some other receivers. These are receivers that you would, you would those take are eight. Or... No, those are eight guaranteed receivers I take. Then I have a bunch of guys that I would consider taking. Diggs? I have, you want to hear the list of guys I have considering? Sutton, Edelman, Cup, Galladay, Cooper, A.J. Brown. Allen Robinson, Diggs, Juju, and T.Y. Hilton. I think Tyreek Hill is in the same group as them, and I find it very hard. I could probably pick and choose another two or three guys to take. I find it very hard to leave Tyreek Hill out of that mix. Yeah, exactly. He's in that that area with the ability to grow. Edelman's aging. What we're going to get out of Amari Cooper. Oh, and everybody else is young. Sutton's young. Cup's young. God is young. A.J. Brown's young. Diggs is young. They're all young. They're on the rise. What about my boy, DJ Tark? I love Chark. Don't get do, me wrong. Do, do, I, think do, do, do. I, I think Tyreek Hill is significantly better than DJ Chark. Yes. And not even I don't close. Think, I'm not even sure that's debatable. Now, if Chark goes off again, has another great year, we, we could revisit that discussion. With a mustache for a quarterback, then, yeah, you got to give him some some props. I don't have him there yet. I just I, – I say after the top eight receivers in the league, I think could start making the argument for Tyreek Hill. I like that list, Bones. All I right. mean, I don't think I missed anybody, right? No. I hope I didn't. No. Not, not, not that was uh, that's oh, I'm sorry. After the, 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 the great Robbie Anderson, I could maybe oh, I should Jesus. throw him in there too. Get the fuck out of here. Leave the, leave the sun yeah. god plainly out of that. I'll leave the sun god out of it. I'll leave yeah. the sun god out of it. Yeah. All right. I want to switch over to another topic, and it may be a sensitive topic for some in here. Russell <laughs> Wilson, among 158 quarterbacks to start 50 games since 1970, he is 11th in completion rate. Mm hmm. He is number one in pass touchdown rate. He is sixth overall with an interception rate of 1.8%. His QB rating is second with 101.2. Yards per attempt, 7.9, fourth overall. Adjusted yards per attempt, 8.3. Pass yards per... It just sounds like a Hall of Famer right there. Pass yards... So now here's the stat that sticks out, right? Pass attempts per start is 29.5 at 104th among these quarterbacks. Now, do you think that Russell Wilson is being used wrong by Pete Carroll? No. Do you think he should have more pass attempts per game? Or do you think the only reason it's that low is because they win games? I'm just gonna, can I start with this? I don't care if I start with Go this. Go ahead. You can start. I have my, my I, take. I think the only reason he's used the way he is is because his offensive line is terrible. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely terrible. And I just want to throw this out there. In 2018, he threw the ball 427 times. 
2019, that increased to 516. Now, they still are a run-heavy offense. They want to run the ball. And I believe that's a... That's their That's what Pete Carroll wants their identity to be, but it's also to help mask how terrible that offensive line is. Russell Wilson was the most sack quarterback in the league last year. I mean, he's he's always under pressure. There's only so many more pass attempts you could give the guy before you're really putting his health in danger. Like yeah. he had, he had a, what he had, was it last year? He had a bum ankle, right? Last year his ankle was messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much more strain are you going to put on the guy? Are you going to make him throw the ball 600 times next year? I just think there's a limit to how much he should be throwing the ball with what's protecting him. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that he's a playmaker and he could, he, if any quarterback can handle it, he's one of, he will be able to handle that. But I don't think it's safe or smart to do. Yep. No, and I, think, I, I think he's utilized just right for what they have. Yep. I, I have a quick question for you. You know how like O-lines – give uh or sorry quarterbacks give their o lines like presents at the end of the year for christmas and shit like that what do you think russell wilson gets his o line hopefully like, a fuck, coal, hopefully a coal wrapped in shit i wouldn't i would i would i would just pay for them to get coached up that's what i would do if i was Russell. Be Egypt turn style like buns was in high school oh sweet god oh no <laughs> i'm not even going to acknowledge something so ridiculous mike knows he's been on his he's been on his back take this, plenty this of times buns are screaming Thanks, um, yeah so I, I don't think I don't think the right quote is not using Russell Wilson properly. I think it's Pete Carroll using the Seattle Seahawks offense with what he had more than him. Uh, like Buns, you know, pointed out, like they haven't had a great line even when they won the Super Bowl and went to both Super Bowls. Their line was okay, but right now, obviously, it's one of the worst. And when you have that, and your your main attack is to run the ball as much as possible and to take chunks of time off the clock, keep the other offense off the field. And when you can't do that, and then you have to have your very expensive quarterback, you know, your franchise for the, maybe one, possibly the greatest player in your franchise's history, running around every single down, you know, just praying that he doesn't get hit by somebody. It's not, it's not good for your team. It's not good for your player that you just invested a lot of money in. And I think they've wanted to be that one team for a long time, obviously, you had Marshawn Lynch in his years when he came over when, you know, he destroyed people. And it was – I wouldn't even say it was the line. It was Marshawn Lynch. Like, he had a, he had a will like not many guys have had. Well, that offensive line was forever. better in the beginning. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily – like, his rookie year was like, – I could say the last time his offensive line was in very solid. Yeah, yeah exactly. So and, – and, you know, you win championships inside, out. And they haven't really addressed that. And they also, up until now, which they hope DK Metcalf turns out to be, they haven't had great outside talent for him to throw the ball to. Like, you've had a Doug Baldwin, who as was a great slot receiver and was a solid player for years, and now, obviously, he just couldn't do it anymore. But, you know, there hasn't been a lot that he could just throw the ball up to, you know, in, in a doubt and, and, and make a big play. He's always had to make the big plays with his feet. He's always had to rely on his running game to make big plays and get them down the field. And you don't want that out of a guy that is has been so success, successful when he's thrown the ball. And as you just put all those numbers out there, and that's with less than 30 attempts per game. So I think if Metcalf develops into that prototypical one, or even somewhat less than that, and then you have Lockett and you maybe add a couple of other little pieces and you build the line, then maybe I'd say you bump his throws up to 35 plus a game and you could see even better numbers than he's been putting out on a team that offensively hasn't been like the crispest for a pocket quarterback, I would say. 
John, I have a follow up question for you. Yeah. Is Pete Carroll interested in making that offensive line better? Probably not. Because it doesn't he's look like it's a defensive make. guy for the most part. And and he's always going to build that part of his team, especially now that the Legion of Boom has been gone for years. And he's got to try until he decides to hang him up because he's the oldest coach in the league. I it's think. a Legion of Room now, John. And, and he is, it is the Legion of Room. And they're desperately trying to do that while trying to keep their most important player healthy and happy. And it's tough to do both at the same time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one stat as to why Russell Wilson needs to throw the ball more. Okay. So in 2018, we all know that the, the Wilson to Lockett connection was a perfect passer rating, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know that Lockett was targeted 70 times in 2018 for the perfect rating. Prior to Lockett, the highest amount of targets any receiver had a perfect rating with their quarterback was 15. It's not so, an easy yeah, thing to do. This guy You're saying 15 all time or just that year? All time. That's the most that any receiver has ever had before the perfect rating was broken. You, I would say throw the ball more, but you, he had sacked 48 times last year. How much more do you want him dropping back? He's just going to equate more sacked. Yep. Yeah, more yards, more st- – good. More, you'll have more yards, more stats. Yep. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get you points. But at the same time, you're going to get sacked. He's going to get – I'm telling you he's going to get hurt. I can't – how many, how many times are you going to watch this guy run around the field to save his own life? Like, he's never going to miss a start. He's going to do what Eli Manning no. should have done. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, He's going to get hurt doing it. He got hurt last year. The ankle was fucked. You could see the limited mobility. He's 31. Well, uh, This is the time now. You get him the offensive line. If you didn't want to do it before, now's the fucking time. Yeah. And and you also know that, you know, like that, that type of thing. Is it 70, 74 targets, Ryan, to a receiver? It's 70 to lock it. Se- se- right, 70. That doesn't happen Dude. ever again, probably, in history. So you know that he, he needs more help than that. And Tyler Lockett is not a one either. He is in great and in, greatly in tuned with his quarterback, but at the same time, you have to help him out and make him more comfortable, Russell Wilson, in his in his backfield instead of having to think, oh God, I gotta let this ball out in one and a half seconds, otherwise I'm dead. Or I'm gonna have to run sprint fifty yards basically left and right, back and forth in order to get this pass off or even just get away from a pass rush. So that's that's really what the Seahawks have to try to do. Otherwise, you know, I mean Eli played for almost sixteen years and was beaten to death throughout his career. Never had a great offensive line, even when they won. Even when they won both times. So you think about that. If they they put a good offensive line around Eli for half of his career, he might still be playing and he'd at least be a serviceable quarterback instead of not having a job anymore and getting pushed out. So, you know, you don't want to do that to Russell Wilson if you're the Seahawks. You just don't. So John and Buns, um, since he's had not much wide receiver help with the years besides Baldwin and Lockett. And Lockett's not a number one receiver at all. Neither they, was Baldwin. No. You got there. Do they take the risk in Russell Wilson's newest quote that Antonio Brown should be in the league and that he would like him on the team? And <laughs> how much do you think Pete Carroll and the front office is going to weigh in Russell Wilson's input? Um, I hope they do, honestly. Fabe B is mentally ready to come back into the league. This is the perfect fit for him. Pete Carroll? Does pretty well with the problem, guys. Okay, he he's a player's coach. He wants these guys to succeed. And let's be honest, they need a fucking receiver. If Antonio Brown is ready to go, well, congratulations. If he's Antonio Brown, you have a top two receiver in the league, top three receiver in the league. If he needs some time to adapt, that's no problem. He's still better than what you have. I think if he's if Antonio Brown's serious about playing football and wants to play football, the Seahawks should listen to Russell Wilson and do everything in their power to get this guy on the team. They, their offense, they still won't. The only receiver they'll have that's over like six foot is Metcalf, but yep. they'll still they'll have what they need. I think receiver wise. And if you think about Metcalf in his second year, 
you know, you have Lockett consi- man, uh, consistency. You have fucking Antonio Brown. Even he's like 60% of what he was. You got Will Disley there. That offense is scary. I yeah. think that Antonio Brown coming in could b- benefit Metcalf the most. Metcalf is a consistent route runner. That's cool. something he needs to fix. He hasn't run the full route tree um, at all. Not yet. That's somebody right there. That's the guy you want. Like, okay, maybe Metcalf takes a step back and sees less targets. Antonio Brown takes all those snaps. But guess what? Metcalf's learning. He's getting better. And that's something that he needs. He like his, Of course, his coaches are going to do it. But imagine having the guy right there. That's the route runner. Let him teach you. They are spooky. <laughs> I think that can even have like the bigger uh, boomer bust plays, which is going to help his production as well. Because if he has ISO coverage on him on the outside, how many cornerbacks going to match up to Howell Tolsey? Was it six five, six six? Yeah. 6'5". 6'6", 99.9% muscle. Yeah. Have somebody even like Nick said, 60% Antonio Brown and Lockett making sure there's no double coverage on Metcalf helps him down the sideline tremendously. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can bring in a guy like Brown and you can come to terms with him as far as, you know, like putting clauses in a contract that's not long-term that, you know, goes based off of production, goes based off of not having anything that's happened the past year and a half, and you get him to gel with Pete Carroll and Wilson and have him be a mentor and a veteran, you put him on that team, there's really, there's not much to lose for the Seahawks because like you guys were saying, they need that type of a you know, just blow the roof off a defense type player. They need that type of guy. Metcalf could be that guy, but he really isn't that guy right now. He needs to develop. So if if Antonio Brown can get his wires uncrossed and go to a team that's <laughs> more than likely going to be in the playoffs and it's in a very tough division. So, you know, that could put them over the top. And mm-hmm. and and you never know after that. Like he could renaissance go right back to what he was doing with the Steelers. And now Russell Wilson has his guy that he can rely on and you know, that's huge come playoff time if you know you have I think, it's, I think it's a perfect fit. I really do. I think I'm sorry. I just think that if he's if he just comes back and he's like, I want to play football, this is the perfect guy. This is the perfect quarterback to come play with. And this is the perfect coach for you. This guy has spent his time when he was at USC handling big personalities, came to the league handling big personalities. I I love it. I, I think I think this is a perfect fit. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm gonna say? Give him a year, but I better have like a toxicity clause. I better have like a reduction oh, yeah. of salary for every like to. one toxic action <laughs> that to. Antonio Brown he, takes. He, like each tweet, like, oh, that's 2%, dude. Like you're fucked. He, he's got to understand that from now on <laughs> that this is what it's going to be. Like he, he did this to himself and he's he's come back in and out saying, I apologize for this and that. And then he does something stupid again and then he apologizes again publicly. Yeah, you remember the, the so, Patriots revival? He came on a team, he was yeah. acting so good. And then right afterwards, he talks about like Robert Kraft's no, hand yeah, jobs. No. Like, yeah. I mean, he, he gets zero benefit of the doubt for the rest of his career. And he's going to have to prove it every single year if he ever plays again. So honestly, I give him a year, 5 million or less, and it's a lot of incentives. And then I get, I give him a team option and then maybe make it a little more money and then also put incentives in there. Based well, let me ask you this. Is Rosenhaus still his agent? Or did he part with no, Rosenhaus? I think he dropped him. Uh, Antonio Brown's not getting yeah. 5 million from no. anybody. He's, he's in whatever the vet min for his, he dropped him. Whatever the vet min is, that's what he's getting. Oh. Yeah. And if he should be counted as a blessing. Yeah, he should. Because no, they might make him some money. He'd sit on the couch. He'd be couch in a little bit. He doesn't want to take the, the clout, the negative clout of, of playing for the vet men. The, the difference is he's not Calvin Johnson. He's He was not ready to retire. Like, he's no. not ready. I'm telling you, I, I personally believe he's not ready to retire. So he's, I think he'll come back if any team's willing to give him a, a chance. He's, he's done too much to ask for things now. He's going to be given things, and he's going to take it. That's it. He's, he's got nothing else to, to put out there, honestly. 
All right, let's take it over to the NBA. First things first, pay our respects to the great late Jerry Sloan. Uh, John, let's just give the people a little bit about the uh, legendary coach. Yeah, all right. Well, he just passed this week. Um, Sloan was an NBA player before he was a coach. Uh, he was selected by the Baltimore Bullets. He then was traded to the Bulls in the expansion draft in 1966. And the funny thing, his nickname was called the Original Bull. And I think that's pretty you know, ironic considering the two the teams that cost him championships were the Bulls. And he's also the first <laughs> player to ever be retired by the Bulls, is Jerry Sloan as the player. Uh, his regular season win-loss record was 1,221 and 803. Uh, he is fourth currently. He passed being fourth on the all-times list of wins. Um, he was the fifth coach to reach 1,000 victories in the NBA and only one of two to have 1,000 wins with one club, being the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I mean, just what he did for the league, I think, was big. And uh, there's, a, there's been a lot of, you know, players, ex-coaches, everything going around, just saying all the all the great things about what he did for the game. You know, just the influence he had on, you know, on the Jazz in general. You know, he definitely deserved at least one championship, like you know, I'm sure a lot of coaches did. But you know, it just never happened, and he ran into a lot of good teams during his coaching tenure. But um, lived a pretty decent life, and. You know, he's up there with the uh, the basketball legends in heaven right now. Mm. RIP, an old goat. Very tough. Very tough. Uh, some just new stuff come up at the NBA. We're looking to resume uh, in Orlando at Disney uh, sometime in late July. So a little bit of hope. Nothing clear on the whether the rest of the season is going to be played or if we're going right into the playoffs. A couple of players are upset with that. Um but otherwise, current NBA news, not much going on. So when there's no NBA news going on, everybody likes to talk about LeBron, and that's about it. So the news buzzing around LeBron is will LeBron, with no basketball or during the lockout, or if there never was a basketball player, would he have made it in the NFL? So I'm going to read off. There's a lot of either praise to LeBron or guys that are upset and uh, insulted that LeBron would be dominant. So the newest one is actually Darrell Revis. Nick and Ryan's boy saying that a six Mr. Eight, Manhattan <laughs> six eight, 260 pound frame will have offensive coordinators drawing up X's nose all day just to destroy pass coverage, especially in the red zone. Mike Evans praised him saying not just the best basketball player ever. He's the best athlete. In my opinion, a NFL GM in 2016 said LBJ would have been Gronk if he would have been or better than Gronk in the NFL. Then we got some uh, some insults. Cameron Jordan on LeBron James said, I've got four guys that are going to take out that body you care so much about. DeMarcus <laughs> Ware, Dr. Harry PhD's boy, said, no way in hell is LeBron could block me. I say the same thing about Buns. And NFL <laughs> scout LeBron could have been all, uh, top 10 all time. When polled in 2016, many NFL sources believe LeBron would have been a Hall of Famer. One scout saying he would have been top 10 no matter what the position was ever in the league uh who wants to take it away here let, me, let me start with this yeah. first off how many times i've put you on your back i'm not <laughs> all right enough secondly i think if there was no basketball lebron could have been one of the best tight ends to ever play the sport obviously he has the speed the height um in high school this is all just based on what he did in high school so in high school he had he had good hands and he high could run decent routes, right. but like it's it's high school, so mm-hmm. I I would have needed to see him in college. But just based on his athletic ability, 
it's very plausible LeBron could have been one of the best tight ends in the league. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I definitely don't think that could happen right now. I know he does not like to get hit, and I could just see him taking one big hit, and that'll be the end right now. But if no basketball, it's a different debate. I definitely think he would have been a relevant football player. It's just all about how he takes the hits. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a question. LeBron, we're basing all of this off high school, right? He hasn't played since high school, so we're just going on his okay. athletic ability. Right. Everyone needs to fucking calm their shit with this Hall of Fame talk. No way, Hall this of fucking Fame. fucking MVP would have been MVP, the best athlete on earth. Like, how do you know based on high school football – I don't care how big he is. I don't care his speed or anything. We have all these metrics oh. for these NFL draft busts, these absolute busts, and it doesn't mean anything. It oh, really doesn't right. mean anything. You can't crown this guy a Hall of Fame NFL player or elite NFL player based off high school and size. I really just don't think you can. Things all. like things like that are silly, obviously, and it's just knee-jerk stuff because, again, there's nothing to talk about, so this is what people are talking about. But LeBron being an All-American – in high school when he, when he played up until he realized that basketball was the thing, if he would have kept going, I think he probably goes to Ohio state and it plays there at least a year. It would have went Ohio state and offered him a full scholarship for, it, for exactly. football and basketball. And, and you know, basketball, you go into the NBA if you were talented, now you can't do that. But with football, you go to college, you shine Ohio state's one of the biggest programs in, in, in the country. So I think he absolutely could have been a star in the NFL if he never took on basketball ever again. But, you know, again, it's, it's, it's impossible to tell because it's a different toll on the body that football takes to basketball. You can play 20 plus years in the NBA and maybe your, your knees go after a while or something goes, but you take one good shot in the head or in the ribs or in the leg or something, and you might not ever play again. So did he have the talent to be an all-time great player? Sure. That's, I mean, it's LeBron. Like he, he's got some of the best, best athleticism anyone's ever seen. But to say that he could play basketball and then go play football, like when they had the lockout and he said he could go play in Dallas. He like, went and played flag th- football there's, with there's Kevin no Durant. They were playing flag yes. football, bullshit there's flag no football, not doing anything to each other, not even covering each other. LeBron was running wild. Yeah. That's nonsense to me. If that's what, if that's all I have to look at is just that athletic ability, I don't want it. I, I need to see the guy take a hit. Yes. And I haven't yes. seen him do that since he was 17. I don't yes. think I need anything more in my life than watching you throw passes against LeBron at safety. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> or even like, I'm going to put you at corner and watch you cover LeBron. I think Get that would the fuck out of here. He's going to run right by me. Um. He's going to take four <laughs> steps and be right behind me. Yeah, but you act like you, would, you wouldn't die for his fucking legs as he's making a catch. I might. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, definitely, I'm definitely taking LeBron out. I'm doing my best, <laughs> but he, there's a very good chance I get steamrolled, ran over. He's going to yeah. run by me, guaranteed, no matter what. So yeah. I, uh, he doesn't have to jump either, by the way. I, I could jump as high as I want. He still doesn't have to jump. I'll catch the ball. His 6'6", six, six, and this can just stand there and take it. That's it. Well, Buns, how quick would your ankle fucking explode trying to fucking her <laughs> against LeBron? Yeah, you'd be um, taking time bomb. Uh, I'd be uh, – I agree with John. Taking time bomb, uh, if it was someone who had a little bit – more lateral quickness, my ankle would shatter the first time he made a move. <laughs> I'd be on the field ready to fix him within within those seconds. So. So I, I, the, the second <laughs> they run the route, just, I'd be like, Mike, get on the field. Let's go. Get the cart. Get the cart. I'm hurt. So <laughs> in, in the end, it boils down to would he have lasted? I mean, no, I don't know. How could you know? It's, it's, it's almost impossible to know, Mike. No, uh, no I know. Exactly. So, and, and he wouldn't have lasted, I don't think. You just don't last the amount of seasons in the NFL unless you're Frank Gore. As, the guy doesn't have any knees. He hasn't had any knees since he was in college. Exactly. Good for him, man. Let him keep going. And, I mean, and I, that's blocking and catching and getting hit. 
Yeah, like I, I compare his body type to like a Shannon Sharp type of player. And yeah. Shannon Sharp played a long time in the league That's and was a, fair a Hall of Famer. Body wise. Yeah. So if Shannon Sharp could do it, LeBron is way more of an athlete than Shannon Sharp is just because of what he can do from what you know we've seen of him, what we've seen of Shannon Sharp. Mm-hmm. I think he could absolutely do what Shannon Sharp did or more. So I think that's the fair assessment. But again, in a game like football where one hit could be the end, you, you could never know. I'm going to leave you all with a question about this. Would he have had the mental toughness to keep playing the game? That's that's a big, big one. Meadows. I think he's, he's just a... He's an intellectual freak when it comes to basketball. I can't see that not translating and, and mental toughness when translating the football as well. If the damage to the body didn't affect the mind, then I don't see why. Right. Same piece, different animal. As long as he doesn't get concussed and has and concussion symptoms like like AB and everything actually stayed okay with his brain, I think he would have been fine. I see. It, I, it would be very hard for me to see a uh, safety, a linebacker, a corner even like get close to hitting his head unless he brought himself down to that level. No. No one's getting to his level like that. Yeah, he's also taller than most. Than I'll tell you, I'll definitely, I, I, I totally ignore this in the beginning. I definitely think like guys like DeMarcus Ware, would. I, I don't care how many years LeBron played and how strong he got, he would get absolutely ragdolled by guys like that. Yeah. Well, like the Hall of Fame defensive end. I mean, that's, you know. I like DeMarcus Ware saying, sure, you could he, I like DeMarcus Ware saying that because a lot of times, you know, those big tight ends get left out of the island. Yeah, that's not really a fair assessment of, of him because a, de- a, def- right. a great defensive end should knock a tight end on their ass. That's just what it is. You know, it's funny that DeMarcus Ray yeah. came out and said that. Yeah. Dr. Harry loved that. He snickered a little bit. We saw that. <laughs> I did. I did. It feels good hearing John Bunn say that. <laughs> that's true. Like, it's like a little win. <laughs> you take him like you get him, right? Yeah, that's it. I got it in this group. <laughs> <laughs> he needs what he takes. Um, <laughs> let's go to. ESPN dropped some all-time matchups for different teams. Uh, we previously discussed Lakers, Golden State, and the Bulls, and the Lakers just wiped the floor with everybody. So we're going to go to something a little more competitive. Um, we'll start with the all-time Heat versus the all-time Spurs. Uh, oh. Yeah, Tim Hardaway, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Alonzo Mourning, and Shaq. Okay. Which is, I guess we'll call it Miami Heat Shaq. Not it, is my, Shaq. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, versus Tony Parker, Manu, George Gervin. Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Now I have a quick question yeah, for you. Do I get Kawhi Leonard off the bench for the Spurs? There is no bench. It's five on five, black top. Tell you what, can, honestly, Mono's great, but he should be coming off the bench for Kawhi in that scenario. I, I, uh, I think it's just because I think I understand why he he got five rings. Just the longevity. The yeah. The longevity. Yeah. Um, I, I'm taking the Heat. I'm not the Heat. I'm sorry. I'm taking the Spurs. I uh, yeah, honestly, I think the Spurs defensively would engulf that team and make them force them into a lot of bad shots because uh, Robinson and Duncan down low. You know, it's it's Alonzo Mourning is one of the great all time defenders for a power forward. Definitely not one of the greater offensive I feel, players. I feel bad that he has to get matched up with he, Timmy D. He, like he that sucks. Tim Duncan's gonna take him in, in in the blunder down the block, and and David Robinson, he's gonna he he did his best against Shaq in his prime in the nineties. I, I think he up to the task and you know he they'd limit each other i'd say you know they'd both get bears but you know no one would i think would go crazy it's in that, in that strictly because it's not prime shack i have yes. i have david robinson that's, that's there. big too and i think the biggest kicker of it all is george gervin very score but that dude could play defense and he was he was big for the for, at, he was big boy so i like the matchup on him versus lebron i think lebron wins the matchup but i think we would be we would be surprised 
at that was, how, how that went. He was mellow before mellow, essentially. He was with that type of scorer. With defense. Yes. <clears throat> He's another one that I liked. We had all-time Pistons versus all-time 76ers. Pistons. Oh. Yeah. We got Isaiah Thomas, five alive. Joe DeMars, Grant Hill, Ben Wallace, and Bob Lanier. Okay. Versus AI, right. Paul Greer, Julius Irving, Charles Barkley, and Wilt Chamberlain. Damn. I got to take the Sixers. Uh, I don't want to, uh, but I'm going to take the, the Sixers. Boys, the bad boys? You, you know – and that's not the bad boys. Um, that's um, not all. It's not all the bad boys. No. I got three. I got, you got you giving me three of the bad boys there, and you're giving me Ben Wallace. And I, I, I respect Ben Wallace, but I promise you, Charles Barkley is going to get yeah, him this the entire time. Yeah, there's there's no way. Remember it's different. Charles, Charles going to come in later in the discussion. Another discussion. So look, but, Charles, Char- like, the, the Charles in Philly, Mike, yep. is going to take Ben Wallace out of the paint, and Ben Wallace has not played defense out of the paint. There is no, no defense outside of the paint. It's going to be a problem for him, and I think, I think that miss that's a mismatch right there, and that that's sways the, to the Sixers for me. Despite Ben Wallace's elite paint ability, Barkley's going to take him out and shoot jumpers. Like that's yes. going to happen. That's what would happen. It would be all game. Big man with a jumper, absolutely deadly. He's not yep. even big. He's like six six. Yeah, and he's playing power forward. He was just considered a power forward. His entire career. Yeah, no, he was a power forward his whole career. Yeah, yeah but he was a sh- small guy playing small power, power forward. forward. Yeah. You want to be up like six ten. Last, let's bring it home to Knicks versus Nets. We uh, got okay. Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe, Carmelo Captain Anthony, Louis Reed, and Patrick Ewing. Captain. Versus Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Julius Irving, Buck <laughs> Williams, and Brooke Lopez. Sorry, who did you say? But, yeah, who was the power, power forward? forward? Buck Williams. Okay. Over, okay. I guess it makes sense. And Brooke Lopez at center. Uh, I'm taking the Knicks, bro. I would too. Mm-hmm. Outside I, I'm wondering of, where wonder where Petrovich was. But. Outside of point guard and the two guard for the Nets, which would call they will. I mean, let me let me leave Doctor J out of this for a little bit. Besides, uh, kid is kid's not going to cause too many fits against Clyde. I think kid is awesome, but he would struggle in that matchup. It's a matchup, right? And I like that matchup struggles. Yep. I think Vince Carter is an absolute beast, and his prime would give the Knicks fits. But after that, I think Melo versus Dr. J is go- would be an, a phenomenal matchup to watch. Okay. The, the, the scoring, the type of the types of ways those guys would score, would be ridiculous. Outside but inside, our our power our power forward and center combo is so is ridiculous. Yeah, U- Ewing is the one of, is one of the most. Respected players ever play the game, and it's deserved. His mid range for a guy that's seven foot was absurd. His post game is ridiculous, and Willis Reed's play in the seventies just speaks for itself. He was an all defensive yeah. guy; he could score. I, I just, I don't see that matchup going well for the Nets. The man came out in the finals with a torn quad and willed the Knicks to a championship. So you think about that. That's that's, that's all you need to know from Willis Reed. Not just physical toughness, but the mental grit to get out there and be like, "Yo, I am hurt. Mm-hmm. I should not be here. I li- I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will bring this team to victory." I, guys like that, I love. And that's why you call him the captain. All right. And to close, we had a little bit of a uh, comparison go on this week. Historical comparisons of NBA stars uh, with 22 and under players in the league right now. Uh, first one off the rip was Luka Doncic. Uh, with Larry Bird, and why they said it was boring, elevates teammates, creative playmaking. What Please the stop. fuck is that? No way! What? Yeah, we're comparing to an all-time great. What are you, what are you gonna? What are you gonna compare? One part of their game? Larry Bird was an all-world defender, and everybody forget about that. 
an all-world defender who played small forward and power forward while he did it. This this is the problem with the social media age where guys get ridiculously hyped after a couple of even games, not even seasons, what? games. You're, you're, like, you're going to hate the one I love. I, don't get me wrong, man. If, if I that's think not Luka, the worst, then, I, then it's really oh, bad. No, I think Luka's great. Don't get me wrong. It, yes. He's not a better passer. But, but then Bird yet. He's not a better rebounder. He's not a better defender. You don't put guys in the same. You don't. You don't put this like, that guy in the same conversation as an all-time great after a season and a half. Sorry. Here's the second one. We're gonna do, we're gonna do three of them. There's five total. We'll do three of them. Jason Tatum, uh, a more athletic Paul Pierce. Okay. Uh, I'm not. I'm not mad at that. Not terrible, but he's still it's not confu- there. It's very confusing. Uh, are they saying he's Paul Pierce right now? Because like he's, Paul, he's a more like, athletic Paul Pierce. More athletic, so he's him, but more athletic. Just <laughs> less fat. He's better. I, I understand, but like Paul Pierce was very chubby for most of his career. He's but. still mm. he he is more athletic than Paul Pierce, but it's, that's that's Paul a Pierce, fair assessment. That that is probably the I'm not mad at that. I just don't no. I don't agree with it yet. I think. But we'll then again, he's that's also again the whole famer. Paul so. Pierce's Paul Pierce's offensive game is also a little different than Jason Statham, but it's a fair. Yeah. That's out of the two you gave me so far. It's kind of fair. Okay. I'm not upset. Here's, here's the one I'm upset about. There we go. Zion Williamson. No. Who, Don't say already. Shaq. Don't say Shaq. Charles Barkley. No, please. <laughs> Slash Where? Kemp hybrid. Okay, cool. Sure, okay. yeah. That's Sean leave, Kemp. Leave Sean out Kemp. Charles sure. Barkley. Sure. Sean Kemp, sure. And here's why the, does Charles he, Barkley get brought uh, into that conversation? Uh, I'll explain why I was upset with it. Where does he shoot jumpers? That's exactly what I was Where? Uh, it's a it's bigger than a frame, ferocious dunker, and punishes opponents physically. That's you just, Sean you Kemp. Just named Sean Kemp, literally, like pound for pound, Sean Kemp. Yeah. Like, what? What? I wouldn't even compare him to like Blake Griffin. Like that's like uh, he's played. He, he didn't even play a half a season yet. He played like fucking yeah. two, a month and a half. And like, even at Duke, let's chill. Let's chill. You see him shoot anything consistently. No, at, at, see With the Duke, difference was, is yeah. At high, like, coming out of high school and at Duke, people were like, oh, God, Zion. And Duke, he's backing guys in the paint and slamming on them that are never going to play the game again. Like, it's This is crazy. That's crazy. Give it, Let the dude play a couple of years before you throw out a comparison. People really don't respect what Charles Barkley did for like 15 now, I'm get, years. I'm, I, I am upset. Like, I, am I don't upset. get it. Zion get Williamson it. went from being compared to LeBron James insult to Charles Barkley also insult. <laughs> Give Let the kid – gonna be his own type of player yep. and we wait and find out he's been in the league fucking two months he's played yep. two months he doesn't have a jump shot yet can we get to that when yep. we get to that and Charles that happens Barkley. we'll give it two years let him when he has a jumper give it two years we'll come back and discuss that's fucking absurd my goal is espn this is yeah nba espn this espn is, is, you, is usually dumb with this stuff but if they would have left it with sean kemp and the rest of those comparisons they honestly would have looked I'll like give geniuses you, i'll give you a better comparison for zion williamson offensively sean kemp Okay. Defensively, the effort, just the effort, not the play. The effort he brings is Rodman esque. And it, it yeah. is, but in no way, shape, or yeah. form am I comparing him to Rodman because that no. would be an insult. No. It's just the level of intensity he brings. It's Rodman esque. It's such an insult. I, I hope Chuck sees this stuff and, and gets to like flip out to somebody we should, about we it. it. We should send it to Chuck. Like right. it's it's. I, I, I'm I sure. Can't. I'm sure someone. I'm sure someone mentioned it and been like, "Yo, what's up, Zion?" I would walk by him every day then, like, "What's up, Zion?" And just wait for him to freak out. It's like it's like. Do you want the Dwight Howard Shaq type treatment again? Like, do they want that with Zion and Chuck? Like, is that what they want? Well, like, if you if you recall, John, the minute Dwight Howard was like, "Oh shit, I'm Shaq," he tried to score and became one of the worst offensive centers that's, in the that's league. It. It, it ended that quickly. 
We, we won't do big reactions, but the other two that I left out was uh, John Morant to a healthy Kevin Johnson and okay. Trey Young to a higher-scoring Steve Nash. What the fuck? The Kevin? No. <laughs> what do Kevin you mean? Johnson. John Morant is an offensive wizard. I believe – wasn't Kevin Johnson one of the best defensive defenders in his player. prime for like yes. three, four years? Yeah, I'm confused. Yeah. How Relevance makes – that's not relevant. What? What? All right. All right. That's a really stupid comparison. We're gonna, we're gonna cool it down with a little with a little ice talk with our uh, uh, Dr. Harry PhD. 120 seconds of NHL. And, oh yeah, Doctor. Uh, Harry, why don't you take it away so the other two can cool it off a little bit? Hockey's back. <laughs> Gary Bettman has announced that the 2019-2020 NHL season has officially ended, and with that, the 24 team Stanley Cup Cup. This 24 team Stanley Cup is confirmed, as we discussed in previous weeks. The top 12 teams from each conference will battle it out for the cup. The first round of the playoffs will be a best of five or best of seven qualifying round. The top four teams in each conference will have a first round bye. That's Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly in the east, and St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas in the west. The second round will also be a best of five or best of seven, but the conference finals in the Stanley Cup are 100% going to be a best of seven series. Teams will not be able to report to training camps until the first half of July and have three weeks of camp, which means that these playoffs probably won't happen until at least the first week of August at best. Playoffs will be held in two hub cities. Hub sites that are allegedly in consideration are Toronto, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, and Vancouver. Batman said that the league wants to be where the tests are, and it's unlikely that any Canadian cities will be considered while the 14-day quarantine rule is in effect. Bettman says the league will not set official game dates or name hub sites until the league is sure it's appropriate to do so. Gary Bettman says while the 2020-2021 hockey season will be delayed, he expects it to be a full 82-game season, and he's not concerned about the economic health of the teams. Finally, from some, for some awards and stats... With the end of the season, the Boston Bruins have officially won the President's Trophy with 100 points. Leon Drysaddle of the Edmonton Oilers will be awarded the Art Ross Trophy for finishing the season with 110 points in 71 games played. Alex Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals and David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins have tied for the Rocker Richard Trophy with 48 goals each. The Washington Capitals have won the Metropolitan Division for the fifth year in a row. The Vegas Golden Knights are the Pacific Division champions for the second time in only their three years of life in the NHL. And unfortunately, the streak continues for Sabre forward Jeff Skinner. He has has 720 NHL career games, 10 NHL season, and he's played in zero playoff games. It's all from me, boys. All right. That was the Dr. Harry PhD, 120 seconds of NHL. Now let's turn it over to JW, who's going to fill us in on this weekend's golf extravaganza that happened. Yeah, hey, how's it going, guys? Um, Dubs here. So, yeah, the scraps finally becoming probably the main event this week. Uh, Love to see it. Love to see uh, the normies having to watch golf. So the match, round two, raised $20 million for COVID relief. Um, Obviously pretty fantastic. You know, really great what they did, obviously sacrificing their time and and with everything, you know, with the weather and all the craziness that was going on there, um, you know, really, really great to see. Um, The format, before we really kind of get into it, the format was a little bit goofy. It was best ball for the first nine, 
um, where Peyton and Brady, obviously the two amateurs, got an extra shot on three, six, and eight. Back nine was modified alternating shot. Modified meaning they all got to tee off. And then whoever had the better drive of the teammates, um, they would go to their ball and then alternate from there. With one goofy asshole uh, where the fifth hole one club challenge where it said on here uh, on the on the article I was reading, it said that it was everybody, but I'm pretty sure it was just Woods and Mickelson were doing the one club challenge where basically they just picked one club out of the bag and uh, had to play with that the entire round, um, you know, putting included, which is, which is nuts. Um, so what I want to know before I really get into it, I'd love to know which of you guys watched it. I'm sure I know like John and Buns fuck with golf, but which of the non-golf guys ended up watching this? I want to know really first off if Nick watched it. I watched maybe half an hour. Jokes on you, JW. We all watched it. Oh, I love it. I love so it. It was it was on while we were together, but I, I didn't watch much of it. We watched what it I did again. see. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um <laughs> what, what upset me about this whole thing was of course, of course, of course I'll say again, Tom fucking Brady just has to has to do his thing. He has to have a hole in one. Uh, it wasn't it was so not a hole in one but uh but definitely uh definitely like an unreal chip in but yeah so obviously uh yeah anybody else any other thoughts from you guys um i think me and john had a nice agree that both the, the the hype of people thinking brady and peyton were going to be dominant or like hit actual phenomenal chips or phenomenal putts or phenomenal drives back to back. i don't think they had one drive that wasn't a push or a slice. They, they were as amateur as amateur gets, and people really didn't take that into consideration, honestly. They were all over the place the whole 18. It, it, it was crazy. Their, their drives weren't great. No. I will say I thought, I thought um, fucking Peyton's shorter, uh, like, iron game was – was, Yeah, he was impressive. Good. It was yeah. pretty good, and Brady wasn't great, but of course Brady had his moments. He had his yeah. chip in. The huge putt and the chip in were just—they were professional type shots. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, that putt um, to save to to get an eagle and get that that hole back was, was huge. Was <laughs> impressive, to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> um, I feel like Brady always Brady always finds a way to steal anything. He can't just leave me alone. Like he right. can't leave everybody alone. That's what anything he does. is he, anything he's a part of. He steals the show. He played so, with Tom with Tiger Woods and Phil Nicholson, and he's still the star of the show. Yep. I was so happy when Turtle broke his fucking or drama <laughs> broke his fucking stick. That'd <laughs> be a side note. I don't think you know, but me and John are varsity high school golf players, and we are on yeah. the wall. Uh, Port Richmond High School. Oh God! Solid seventh place out of probably out of seven. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask if you were the only golfers at Port Richmond. (laughs) There was maybe maybe four of us. I don't think anyone gives a shit. (laughs) One time, a thirty foot putt. One time, all right. I measured it because of that. Yes. That's that thirty thirty foot putts are are no joke, um, but Brady uh, drained one of those no fucking problem. Uh, I think another thing that that was like kind of a story of the show was the the weather was fucking horrendous, and they still mm-hmm. played through it, which I was like, I was I was happy with. Like a part of me wanted them to delay, but I think Monday's weather was dog shit in Florida as well. It really kind of made it sad for me too because they were showing clips of the practice. 
Um, and the practice round the day before, gorgeous weather, which I, I think would have been nice with how like depressing and horrible everything is in the world right now. It would have been nice to see like this match played with like ideal conditions. Like I, I think it makes it fun because obviously, you know, it's still fun and you still get to see this cool thing happen. Um, and that they played through, that. but I think the amateurs, I think, I think Brady and, and Peyton would have both played a lot better. Like they had oh, the whole yeah. times, but, but I think they both would have played a lot better. Um, if, if the weather was consistently good and not like oh, yeah. on and off torrential downpours. Yeah. Dry greens, better, better tee offs. I mean, sure. Definitely. But, Another thing to say about that, though, which which I hadn't really considered until right now, might have been why they were draining putts. Like courses like that, the roll on the greens are Quick. fucking outrageous, um, and, and it might have actually like slowed down some of the putts mm-hmm. for for the amateurs and and made some of those putts a little bit better. But I agree. The majority of the game, obviously, it probably hindered them. A couple other things I wanted to mention: Tiger looked fucking incredible just tiger-esque just bombs down the middle that's my boy go to go he fucking looked fantastic that whole round mickelson had his moments um didn't have a great great game but like we were talking about earlier that bomb that he put on the fucking green Mm. um where where brady uh putted in for eagle like that Mm. was just an unreal hole on both ends couple other thoughts uh 20 uh 2k 2021 cover man justin thomas is the course commentator i thought he was fucking incredible i don't know if you guys have seen some of the clips yeah he was going in on chuck i was getting a little crazy by it well dude no no no. (laughs) they obviously have a good rapport with one another i hope i hope so oh no 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 but the, the reason why i think the animosity was there uh, JT is a Bama guy and Chuck went to uh, Auburn. Yeah. So they, I think they, I think they've been ribbing each other for that's, a while. That's I good. Think. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 So they, they had that like kind of rivalry, uh, the chirp in particular, uh, Barkley, the exact quote is Barkley goes, I don't know exactly what the context was, but Barkley said in all fairness, he's a golf pro. If I saw a guy dunk a basketball, I wouldn't get all excited about it. So <laughs> Justin Thomas replied, Chuck, I'd love to see your fat ass dunk a basketball right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah and i thought they had a great dynamic like they were chirping each other back and forth but obviously good fun like like barkley was laughing along like i know that was a concern for you john but (laughs) i think uh i think barkley was having fun with it too and obviously that college rivalry aspect uh I, i think added to it um a little bit of a debbie downer you know the last match um ernie johnson was there uh basically it was like I think it was almost like the entire like TNT, like inside mm-hmm. the NBA guys. Yep. Um, I think the jet was also there. I don't know why he wasn't there this time. He might've been at the original, uh, uh, the original match, but I'm not entirely sure, but Ernie Johnson couldn't show up. His son is on a respirator. Um, and didn't want to risk it, which like, I love EJ. EJ's fucking great. EJ and, is one of the best ever. Yeah. I, it really he, is. He, him and Barkley always great. I think EJ, like after JT said that, I think EJ would have fucking had another amazing singer. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, sad that he wasn't there. Obviously, understandable circumstances, but uh, yeah. Um, and the last thing that I kind of wanted to pose to everybody is the match round three. What we would potentially want to see. I saw on um, on the internet the one that caught my ear was uh, Tiger Mickelson 
MJ and Steph Curry. Obviously, MJ being a prolific golfer and Steph Curry playing in a couple tour events. Um, I don't care about Steph Curry. Replace him with Larry Bird and you'll get me watching. See, but Larry Bird probably doesn't – Larry Bird only gives a fuck about basketball. Like Steph Curry, whatever you want to say about the man, dude is a phenomenal golfer. I think he's below scratch shooting. I was going to say he's about scratch. Yeah, I mean, dude, the fact that he was good enough to play in a a um, what is it, I think Nike Tour now or no, that's the old one, Web.com Tour mm-hmm. uh, event is 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 impressive enough as it is, in my personal opinion. I, I mean, it would it would draw, sure. I, 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 I they would ever get Jordan though. Since not not with stuff though. No, because of any kind of betting reference to it. If it would, yeah, it would get blown. But see, up. But, yeah, see, that would make it fun yeah. because it would be the first match was just money in pocket, right? Mm-hmm. That was just what Tiger and Mickelson were making. And those bets that they were making were legit coming out of their own pocket yeah. bets. Yeah. So I think maybe that, like imagine MJ. MJ would just have a bet on every fucking hole. That was the one oh, yeah. with the match I, one. Is there he, was no betting. He's he definitely not one of those guys that wants that public, though. That's the thing. He would rather bet like that privately than put it on the air, I think. Sure. And sure. I think even if it was for charity, it would get flipped around. Some way, especially with the last dance coming out and people seeing this stuff now. Yeah, it would fed up with it. But I think the stigma of gambling now that it's like legal everywhere and all that bullshit is not what it was in the nineties either. Right. Mm -mm. Well, who would be a a good replacement for MJ with Steph? I like Steph in there. Um, If he got magic or bird, I think that would be good. But RJ, I'm thinking about golfers, right? Like NBA players who have come out and, and are public golfers. I know RJ, uh, RJ Smith isn't bad. Issue with him is he'd probably be baked the whole fucking time. Wait, J- JR? Or JR, excuse me. I'm, JR. I'm fucking yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. Um, yeah, he'd be baked the whole time. And oh, I he think would he's be. Like a, he's like a me shooter. <laughs> I think he's like, he'd be playing shirtless, too. Yeah, <laughs> get the ladies in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, any other, yeah, any other dream teams? Like, obviously, doesn't have to be just basketball players and football players, right? Like, any... Yeah. Any baseball I, players we know think, about that are decent? Steph is so good, you have to get somebody else that also has the caliber in their golf game. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Yes, Romo's, Romo's a good golfer. Tour event. That would be great. And it's, then the age is closer than like MJ to Curry or anything like that. Right. Heard well, I think, I mean, yeah, you could you do can. Romo and Curry. I would do yeah. – yeah, I don't golfer. think Jordan's agreeing to it either way. No, <laughs> no. Jordan, Jordan's like a, a – a, It would have to be on his terms, what he wants. Right. That's what it would have to be, and it's going to be tough. Right. But Romo and Curry would be interesting. Romo would be, Curry, would be good, yeah. I mean, yeah, we know Romo I think, fantastic, so I doubt he wouldn't have stuff to say throughout. Hasn't hasn't Romo won a uh, a pro am? No, I would love to see close. Romo. Romo Romo's played in a lot of super competitive stuff. Uh, I know every year he because like so the way the U.S. Open works is amateurs are allowed to like there's certain events where amateurs can play in and get mm-hmm. a bid into the U.S. Into Open the spot, yep. uh, because it's sponsored by the USGA. It's not really a PGA tour mm-hmm. sanctioned event, even though it's a major. It's kind of yeah. one of those weird things. Yeah. So amateurs can can play their way in. And I know Tony Romo has tried to get in every year. And I know he's gotten close, but he's never been able to get into the U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe now that he's retired-ish. Yeah, he's got um, a little more time on his hands. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's it. That's it for me. That's it for the golf. Um, anything else on the golf that anybody else noticed? Anything else from the from the, the, the Ryans and Nicks and Riches of the world who, who potentially this is the first thing golf-oriented that they've ever watched? No, probably probably going to be the last thing. <laughs> This until something else until something else like this happens. Oh god. 
Let's take it to our second trivia game of the day. Uh, let's go into a little bit of the stats of what we got so far with our two co-hosts. Right now in stat game, which leads off our podcast, uh, Buns is up 3 nothing. So trying to come back a little bit. Uh, history trivia, The we gave uh, – producers came together and gave John uh, a half point back from having only one and a half. Appreciate that. Two. Uh, wait, wait. What did you give him the other half point for? Okay, it's okay. And Buns has three. So wait, 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 wait. What's the other half point for? Oh, get the fuck. I, I, the wanted, I wanted scrubbed from history what? that I agreed he should get a half point back. Scrubbed oh, it from history. And, and, and that's it. All right. Laying back. I mean, you, I mean, you, get, sm- you get smolt, so you should get negative half a point. No, fuck you. you. <laughs> I, I, I know I guess I get. I didn't guess the right player or the right team. Like, As the you guess the losing team. Three seconds to answer. Do not put out an answer um, too quickly. First question for trivia is going to take us to the NBA. In, we're going to go a little more closer to current time. In 2014-15 NBA regular season, which team finished in first place in the Eastern Conference? I can't wait. I know the answer. John, do you have your answer? I want to say the Pacers. No. Buns? The Hawks. The Hawks. Yeah, they, they got, didn't they get swept by the Cavs that year, too? Who finished? I don't know if it's last. Well, the Knicks finished in 15th place, if that helps you, John. It's usually what they finish. <laughs> we They finished in 15th. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, bad. Next trivia, let's do another one from basketball. Mm-hmm. Which team led the NBA in scoring in the 2007-2008 season? But did did not qualify for the playoffs. Thirty seconds starts now. And they didn't qualify for the playoffs. Did not qualify for the playoffs. Which team led NBA in scoring but did not qualify for the playoffs? Two thousand seven eight. I got, I got I got a decent answer. Fifteen seconds. I don't like that you you're already ready to go, John. I because I have a like, feeling of who is on that on on that team that's making me think it. Oh I think oh. I, I, can me and John answer at the same time? In ready, you both answer. Suns, no. Lakers, no. Golden State Warriors. Oh. That's my. That would have been my fourth guess. Baron Davis's Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Stephen Jackson averaged yep. over twenty points per game, and the Warriors still missed the playoffs okay. by two games. That's because that's that's crazy. Jesus. And okay. Richard Jefferson to no Quentin Jefferson. Quentin uh, Richard, Quentin uh, Richardson. Quentin Richardson. Dude, jeez, you just <laughs> getting them all mixed up. Last yeah. one. All of them. Last one takes us to MLB. Who is the only person to win a batting title in three different decades? Start. Bonds' face. I wish we could put that as the the thumbnail. Three different decades. Didn't play long enough. How many seconds? Ten seconds. Is this one guess? It's only one guess, right? Yes. It's time to guess. Oh, God. Barry Bonds. No, not Ted Williams. Do you want to keep uh, Ripken? Do you want to keep taking for a half point? Ripken? No. I'll take, I'll take one more guess for a half point. Give me a uh, – he, he didn't play – John, I think we're on the same wavelength with that one guy. I know for a fact he didn't play long enough for three decades. Do you want decades? Uh, no, let me throw one out there. Ricky Henderson. No. Done? We're done? I mean, we can keep guessing, but it's going to take a while. <laughs> George Brett. Ah! Wow. Ah! I didn't think he played long enough for three decades. 70, 80, 90? 
76, 80, oh, of course. I didn't think. I, I, of course. Of course it's George fucking Brett. <laughs> the Yankee oh. killer, Mr. Pintar. Of course it's George fucking oh, Brett. Brett played all his 21 seasons at the KC in 1973 and 1993. His batting titles came in 1976, 80, and 90. First place, two, three titles in three different decades. Uh, John, I told you. He, 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 he was not the one I was thinking of. I was Ricky Henderson. In I was thinking Tony Gwynn, but I know he didn't play that long. In 1990, he won the title by hitting 329, just .004 over Ricky, Don Mattingly? Ricky Henderson. Oh, Ricky Henderson. Of the athletic. Oh, damn. So let me ask you, Mike, let me ask you another question. Follow up there. Did Henderson? No, nah, never mind. It wouldn't have been after. He didn't do anything in the 2000s. Damn, that was a shitty guess. Right. I think he like, died one with the Red Sox. Today, Bun's getting one point, John getting none. Those are a little harder. Let me know. Questions are interesting. Back. They're very interesting. That, that 07-08 one, that, that basketball one, really yeah. bothered me. At the Warriors, like I, I would have guessed them if I kept going, but that's just painful. Yeah. All right. Do we have uh, Ryan Sulfaro in attendance? Oh, we're good. We do. All right. Take it away with some would you rather's, Ryan. All right. You guys know how to play. You ready? All right. So anytime you need to pay for something, you inexplicably pay by handing the currency over with your teeth. So, you know, your credit card, you hand it over. You, you, you know, you obviously jerk your head forward and emotionally like, take this currency. Or... Okay. At every week, for some fucking reason, at some random time, you just scream. Like, four-second scream. It's, and Money it, in the teeth. No explanation. But that's for life, John. You said no, one's like you, no, one's like you, no one's like you had to go to every week. I'm screaming at the oh, wakes. Oh. oh, okay. I'm screaming at the mm. wakes. Imagine, yeah, yeah. imagine during but, times of corona handing something over with your mouth. Oh, okay. So you're saying, Brian, <laughs> every single time, cash or card, I got to give them with it. Yeah, between my like, teeth? you put your hands behind your back and... You know, put it in your mouth but, and just lean forward. With so, your if I, so if I have to swipe, I got to make it work with my mouth? Yes. It's easy nowadays since you, just, you don't have to swipe. You just push it in the card unless the, the establishment's low class and not technologically advanced. But So are you basically saying that I don't have to go to any of these things or there has to be like a minimum Look, it's, amount it's of normal, weeks? but, you, you know, if you don't go to a week, you can't tell the person. Yeah, yeah like I got to – what if I have to go to an immediate family member's wake? I got to scream. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. scream and drop to your or, knees and like roll around. Or you can make an irrelevant excuse as to why you're not going, but you can never say, yeah, because I didn't want to scream. Um, I'm, no, okay. I'm doing the screams at every yeah, wake I go to. That's better. Me too. I'm screaming 100%. One, one I, primal I yell to rule week. them all. And not only am I screaming at every wake I go to, I'm going to more wakes than I would usually go to. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the scream. change in your mouth like a like – a, what, what's the bird? Like, not a seagull. A fucking um. Oh, like a like the uh, oh, ah, like that thing. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Like peacock, peacock, right? Oh, no. Oh, can you just imagine? Like can you, you. Think, think about this, yo? Can you just imagine the priest comes in to do like his little uh his little prayer, and he's like, "All right, everybody, settle down." And everybody gets quiet, and you just hear a, a primal yell on top of your fucking lung. And everybody's gonna look at you like, what? "Yeah, yeah, you're angry. Yeah. That you're angry that so and so died." That's no, you, exactly you, when I would uh, scream too. You hear the groundhog scream. That's what you hear. No, but what yeah. if? Can that's, I choose when to scream or it's no, I so randomly here's the thing. scream? As soon as you walk in, the countdown oh, starts, and there's a probability Jesus. every second your scream commences until oh the end of the. That's yeah, what I mean. Like, what if you just scream like during the silence, nope. or like it's you random. walk in, you just scream immediately. Like nope. you just have to be. Yeah, worth, worth, worth. You could be kissing the loved one hello, and all of a sudden you might just go. You scream in their fucking face. Yeah. Yeah, I'm we're so sorry. Well, what's, uh, what's, the, what's the final count then? What's the answers? Scream. Uh, I'm screaming. Has to be. I really don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to give anybody money with my teeth. How about that? <laughs> you know. You know that most of the time they'll just think that maybe something's wrong with you, and this is what you have oh, to do. Of course. So like, they're not gonna be like, why is he jerking his head at me? They might say. 
they all right, they're, yeah, but they're, they are going to be like, why is he doing this? And he just picked everything up with his hands to bring it over here. Like, <laughs> no one's looking. Can you, you the hands. Why is he doing this? Just on, on the first date thing with the single boys in here, can you imagine you take a girl out for, for a nice dinner, everything goes great, and the bill comes, and you're like, yeah, hold on, babe. Yeah. <laughs> you have to open the, the top of the bill with your nose or something. You can't <laughs> open that. Imagine trying to get into a vending machine with like your change and your oh bills. God. No, you'd be, you'd be. Absolutely so fucking beat. not. Fuck that. You just have to live life with no vending machines. Fuck oh, yeah. that. I mean, like that's okay, but like fuck every fuck that. So no, the, you just have to go to wakes prepared to like at any minute break down yeah. or be angry. Like like you're yeah. screaming and you're like, okay, what's the situation? I, am I angry? Is this an angry scream? Is this like a cry for help scream? Am I like really <laughs> upset that this person's dead? And I'm screaming like he's dropped your knees or like uh, punch a wall or something. Wait, like you got to adapt. Yeah, One more like- follow up to that, Ryan. If I scream, can I just leave after, or do I have to yeah. sit there and like yeah, deal with the repercussions on my scream? You can no, leave, but if someone might say, "Why did he scream and leave?" Right, I'd rather so like, stay. So I'm just letting go. you know if this something. I I will do this in a real wake. I'll walk into one and scream it. We're gonna run out. I'm Listen, overcome you know, with guilt. It's yeah. it's kind of like it's like wedding crashes. Like, damn it, Roger. Yeah. Damn it, <laughs> <damn> you. <laughs> All right. I, Damn it! I, I, I'm not. I'm not comfortable with the thing in my yeah. mouth. And passing now that like now that, that I think of it, I bet a lot of places would even turn you away if you if you decided you were going to try to pay with your mouth. Oh yeah, especially now, hundred percent. So Plus, you got to go with the stream. Take it from my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the currency. You're you're paying stuff, right? almost every day of your life. Wait, Listen, I'm doing, I'm like doing the currency occasionally. You know. Listen, we're a small community. We're from Staten Island. We're Catholic. Wakes are a very big part of our lives. Um. And you know what? You have to bring your best to them. You can't scream in the back hey, row. You know what's even bigger? Buying things every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm going on fucking Amazon. So that's uh, for life. For life. All right. You go out with your boys. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get this tab. Here's my fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on. It's it's my quick question. If I want to, like, Venmo somebody, am I just typing in the <laughs> No. The currency, yeah. the currency event only triggers when there's another person who needs to accept your currency. No, I think, I think you should have to, like, type your credit card information with your fucking nose on your no, keyboard. No, you'll fail miserably until you... Yeah, well, that's no. your choice. You look like a chicken. Listen, you, <laughs> you, you, you choosing the credit card where you put it in your mouth, bro, you can never go out to dinner with Courtney again. It can never happen. Dude, I'll open the fucking tab. I'm fine. <laughs> what, what are you, they're not going to let you back in. They're going to tell you no. Go away. Then I will literally wear a hat and glasses and come back in. Okay. Then he'll you sue them strap, for all he's got. You can strap like a birthday hat. Right, oh, oh yeah, when you go to pay for dinner, they're going to do it again. They're going to be like, oh, look, it's the fucking idiot that pays with his mouth. <laughs> no, then I'm going to say then discrimination because I'm handicapped. So. <laughs> you just use your hands to cut the meal. Like, you have a handicap clause. <laughs> what happened? You have a problem with plastic now all of a sudden? <laughs> okay, I got one more for you. Ready? Would you rather have to change your bed sheets six times a day? And that's without fail. So you want to go on vacation, you better set someone up to do it. It's got to get changed six times a day. Or every month, Pat Mahomes shows up at your house and throws a football as hard as he can in your nose. Oh. Like <laughs> five or six feet away. Do I, get to, do I get to put my hands up to block it? No, it's hitting your no, nose. No. My <laughs> nose is never going to recover. Sheets. Right. We don't change the sheets, we die? Yes, you need to get six times. You, you do five, you forget the six, you, you're six done. Six times a Wait, six times a day? Yeah. Win, win. Abs- no, break my nose once a month. <laughs> Fuck I, know, I know you I wouldn't do that. Gar- I can guarantee you I'm forgetting at least one. Like, the, dude, like day, I'm day, day three, I'm forgetting one of the Your six. Your life's not fucking lying, dude. I'm probably dying one Ryan, I'm not changing my sheets 42 times a week. 
Wait, do I have to do I have to have Apparently, just don't have different a sheet sets, or can I just take one off and put it right back uh, on? Listen, as long as you take one off and, and you go through the struggle and the hardship of putting the next one on, it's, it counts. So you gotta at least put the base layer on. That's the struggle. So fuck yeah, that, bro. I'm not I doing that. Spend Thirty minutes every morning changing sheets, but you're just never going on a vacation ever again. Like if no, I go on vacation, no, I'm gonna, gonna stay in that bed and change those sheets. No, just let that Pat Mahomes hit you. You end up looking like Quasimodo the rest of your life, but at least you, you don't, don't have a nose. Finish. I'm letting him break my nose once a month. Congrats. Did you say You're the, the distance face. of how far he is? Yeah, five, five to six feet. Yeah, it's feet. He throws a football. <laughs> he throws a football 65 miles an hour. Your face is getting broken I, once a he's month. Not, the ball's not even leaving his hand. Yeah, it's, it's already you won't have here. a face. The, Dude, when he extends, the ball's at your in, nose already. the off chance that my nose isn't shattered, I'm lit. It's lit. But that's every month, right? Whatever, bro. I don't want to yeah. change my sheets forty two times a week. My nose I won't have a face. fucking my nose is huge also. Like I put a nice rhinoplasty, put a steel fucking beam in there and just be sad. <laughs> JW brought up a good point though. It's your hub bed, like it's your home bed, or can you like change the sheets to the hotel? No, no, whichever bed that, that you call your favorite bed to sleep in. Wherever your heart's you, set. Yeah, wherever your heart's on set. So there's never a vacation ever again. You're never leaving your fucking home ever. Higher, no, higher you can let someone do, do it. it. Hey, week. look, 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 look. You trust someone with your life while you're gone to make sure they do it six times? Hey, by all fucking means. No. That's your guy. So um, this, um, is, this is a different scenario where I can explain to people. Because like I, I No, can, no, oh, you can't. Like, no, you cannot. Okay, but I don't trust I, if I told Nick, hey dude, can you please? I'm begging you, <laughs> hey, change dude. my sheets six yeah. times a day. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I can't tell him it's life or fucking death. Nope. Nope. We'd just be like, yeah, dude, I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine, I'm not going anywhere near your house in Jersey. Imagine W being his alcoholic self, like in fucking Aruba. And he's just sitting there and like eleven fifty nine happens. 12 a.m. He just fucking croaks. Everyone's like, what the fuck? And then, oh, and then the at least at least JW gets like a like uh, like a replay, like Call of Duty to see like what went wrong. And he sees Nick just like not changing it ever. You know what sucks? Nick was you know what sweet sucks? Up. If he died, I would know exactly why too. I'd be like, I didn't, I didn't change the fucking sheet. <laughs> Dude, such a big deal out of it. And now he's like, son we of a bitch. Do, we would do such a gone in funeral for JW if he died that way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> All right. Speaking of alcoholics, let's uh, wrap up the podcast and give our, our four beer reviews of our beer today: the uh, Great South Bay Blonde Ambition Blonde Ale. Uh, I'll start it up. I kind of feel this is a beer that like your girlfriend's dad would reach into barbecue and like hand it to you and be like, "Yeah, like really rave about it and shit." I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Okay. And you just gotta like muscle it down so that way you don't get like thrown out of the house and you can still bang his daughter. <laughs> and it was it was weird for like a blonde ale or something that's supposed to be a little summery. It tasted like malty, and, and I didn't like that. So I, I'm going with like a a four zero out of ten. Wow, it's the type of beer that Mike thinks his girlfriend's dad would drink while his shits in the door open. Right, <laughs> I think that's exactly what he said. Um, I I'm gonna disagree with you. Um, I I don't know if you guys know this, but Julie, JW's wife, her dad is very big into craft beers, and I can see myself in his backyard, you know, and walking over to the cooler and seeing this and be like, ah, oh, this thing probably sucks, and picking it up, and I actually enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. It's a nice, light beer, um, similar to last week's where, you know, outdoors is where you want to drink this. It's very light, but I think it has good flavor. I think it, it has a very nice, typical blonde beer flavor with a little more taste than usual. Um, I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. 
I mean, I don't, it's, it's not, it's not the best beer I ever drank. It's not the worst. I think it's a good summer beer. I, I wouldn't probably drink more than two of these things. Uh, I'm 6.3 around there. I'm about to blow your mind, John and Mike. Oh right? man. I happen to love this beer. All right. <laughs> it's not heavy. It's just the right amount of light. And I like, I like blonde like beers. I like ales number one and it's a blonde. Mm-hmm. So this is right up my alley. Nick, you kind of stole where I wanted to rate it at, so I'm going to keep going for a little bit. This is the type of beer that I pull up to the barbecue with, and I tell everybody it's fantastic, and I get a response like Mike that says he does not like it and wouldn't drink it. <laughs> with that being said, I would have this on my side in the summer while I'm grilling. I'm going to give this a 7.1 out of 10 because Nick stole my rating. I really like it. find it very refreshing. Yeah. All right. That's what I was thinking. Refreshing is the word that I thought of immediately. I finished it halfway through. I loved it, actually. Uh 7.1. I finished it right after I I went off about Tyreek Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Had to cool you down. (laughs) The the Great South Bay Brewery, the Blonde Ambition Blonde Ale. And that will do it for us today on Students of the Game. Please follow us and subscribe on Anchor or Spotify. We're also now on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and we will see you next time. Later, everybody. Squaw. So long.